Good morning. Welcome to our services this morning. Welcome to those who are on Zoom this morning and those who will hear us on Sermon Audio. We welcome you to our study of the book of Numbers. We are in chapter 12 today. Chapter 12, we're going to read the entire chapter, chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. We just heard read in the, in the Bible reading this morning a passage of scripture from the book of Galatians. And in that passage of Scripture in the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verse 24, it says that these things were an allegory. Now, Hagar and Sarah and what happened there is an allegory. Now, it's, it's just hard to comprehend sometimes that as we look at the Scriptures, that 2,000 years, 3,000 years before the event here in the book of Galatians chapter 4 was written, that... This event took place. It's a historical event. It took place, and yet the Lord said it's an allegory. It's an allegory between grace and works. It's an allegory between works for salvation and grace. Uh, it's, a, it's just one of those statements. Hagar represented uh, Mount Sinai, which is in Arabia, which is Jerusalem, which now is in bondage. And Sarah represented of the elect, represented the seed, represented and her son was the seed, and we're the children of that, uh, of faith through that promise that God gave. So it's just a wonderful thing. I'm going to look at this passage of scripture here in some ways as an allegory. This chapter 12 has 16 verses, and I'd like to begin reading with verse 1. Chapter 12, and uh, there in verse 1, the scriptures is, says, now it brings up, we're going to be talking about three people in here, and then Almighty God. The last verse shares with us the, the, uh, the people uh, that uh, they're all of Israel, but by and large, we're going to have Miriam, we're going to have Aaron, we're going to have Moses, and then we're going to have Almighty God. He's going to come down, and he's going to visit personally. He's going to share his purpose. He's going to share his will. He's going to share his word, and it's going to be face-to-face. Now, if you want to hear the Word of God face to face, you open up your Bible. Don't listen to a dream. Don't listen to some uh, figment. But you listen to the Word of God. That's where He speaks to us face to face. And He is true, and He is honest, and He is straightforward. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to see about Moses. Now, we just heard read about there in Galatians about the Apostle Paul was used to write those words. Now, I am convinced that if Moses and the Apostle Paul sat down for a visit over a cup of coffee, they would not have the slightest disagreement over the gospel, or over Christ, or over the wisdom, or over righteousness, or over sanctification or redemption. They would be in absolute and complete agreement on everything spiritual. Why? Because the Holy Spirit taught Moses, and the Holy Spirit taught taught Paul, and they did not teach them different things. Moses was not dependent upon works for his salvation, neither was the Apostle Paul. They were both dependent upon Christ for their salvation, for their Savior. Neither Moses nor Paul had a relationship from God because some preacher preached a few small little facts about the story of the death of Jesus on the cross, which is normally preached from every pulpit or almost every pulpit across our nation. A little bitty message about Jesus on the cross. And then we asked them, the preacher asked them, 
to get saved, make a decision. They give them an offer, and once that is done, now we must teach them how they must live the Christian life, and so we enter into the law, and we get them back under the law. Well, that's not how God saved Moses, and that's not how God saved the Apostle Paul. Moses and Paul were both raised from the spiritual dead and called of God to life, and God taught them. God taught them about himself, and God taught them about salvation, and God taught them about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the instructor to them. And we have a passage of Scripture, and forgive me, but I'm going to leave Numbers chapter 12. We'll be right back here and read this chapter. But would you turn with me to the book of Galatians? The book of Galatians for one verse of Scripture, and here we have the composite of all Scriptures. Here we have the composite of uh, the teaching of God, the Holy Spirit, in one verse of Scripture, we rejoice in it as the Apostle Paul was led to write. Remember, he's not the author, he's the secretary. The Holy Spirit is the author from beginning to end. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And my friends, if you have a problem with what Moses wrote, or you have a problem with what Paul wrote, you have a problem with God. And we're going to see that in our reading over there in the book of Numbers chapter 12. We have a problem with God if we have a problem with their writing, because it wasn't their writing, it's the Holy Spirit that gave them the message. God gave them the message, and this message was given before the foundation of the world, and now it's delivered. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 sums it up. I am crucified with Christ. The church is crucified with Christ. The believers are crucified with Christ. He's the one that exhibited all that was necessary, required, but to save us. And we are in him in that sense. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now let me make this statement. I've said it several times, but a lot of people think that when God saves us, he creates a new good part in us that is part of us. You know, we never find that in Scripture. We are still the same flesh. The thing that has happened, the blessing that has taken place, is what the Apostle Paul shares with us, and Moses would agree with this wholeheartedly. But Christ liveth in me. God has worked the work. The gospel has been preached. He gives the new birth, and in that, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's the good part of us. That part teaches us. And thanks be unto God, that part restrains us many times. To, to, it's not us that are stopped from doing things that we once did. It's the Holy Spirit stopping us. Now, if God wants to restrain us, He can. He is Almighty God. If He doesn't, we find ourselves back in a pit, just like we're going to find Moses, or excuse me, Aaron and Miriam. There's nothing different between what Miriam and Aaron did than what Korah did. And yet, Miriam and Aaron were believers, and Korah was not. And we see the difference in judgment upon them. All right, here it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's where our faith comes from. If you have faith, if you have God's faith, you have God-given faith, you have the faith of Jesus Christ. You have the faith of the Son of God. It's not ours. We never had it. We didn't 
We never participated in it. We didn't produce it. It's something that God gives us as a result of the new birth. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to tell us that the great fact here that we can just find great solace in, great comfort in, who loved us and not only loved us, he had to go beyond that point. To be able to love us to, for, to without sin, he had to go beyond that point. Love was not going to be sufficient. He must pay for us. He gave himself for me. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And the church says the same thing. He gave himself. He ransomed me. He purchased me. He bought me. He redeemed me. How glorious is all of that. And the writer of uh, the book of Numbers, as he was used as a secretary, and the writer of the book of Galatians, the secretary, the Apostle Paul, would agree completely on these words. Now, let's go back there to the book of a book of Numbers, and it tells us in verse 1, and Miriam and Aaron. Now, we're going to find their names mentioned several times, and then we're going to find Moses' name mentioned here several times in this book of Numbers. The Lord is going to be mentioned, but we have three individuals. Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses. They spake against Moses. That was a serious, serious thing. And in fact, as we go down through here, we're going to find that Aaron, Aaron says, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly. So we have advanced notice as we read down through here. They had sinned. They had done it foolishly. Verse 11. But we'll get there in just a moment. Here it says that they had complained. They brought an accusation. They spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, as an allegory, I want to say this right here. This is the complaint by the world about who Jesus Christ chose before the foundation of the world, whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world, and who are saved by the grace of God throughout time, and Jesus Christ promised to redeem them at the cross. This is the accusation. We find it as we follow the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, how often we had religious people say, if he knew who she was, that he's eating with publicans and sinners. He's going to the home of publicans and sinners. He's entering into conversation with publicans and sinners. How the world looks at those who Jesus Christ should save so different than what God looks at. The world looks at, religion of the world says, good people, good people. He'll be attracted by that. Well, he is come into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. The, the whole need not a physician. So he has his interest in a people, and they are, they are shop-worn. <laughs> they are beggars. They are the outcast and the downcast. They're the sp spotted and sp sprangled and all kinds, and yet they belong to the Lord. So here we have that, Ethiopian woman that he had that Moses had married came into conflict here. Now it's interesting here though that that complaint is not the real complaint. The real complaint is mentioned in verse two of this chapter. That complaint was just a surface one. You know the Lord had some people come to him, Pharisees come to him. They'd taken a woman that was in the very act of adultery, brought her before him, asked him what should be done. And their thought 
is tempting him that they might have might accuse him now that's that's the undertow we need to find fault with this one we're going to tempt him but we really looking for accusations well the lord never gave them that room and we're going to find here that the real reason is mentioned in verse 2 and that is they said they said hath the lord indeed spoken only by moses my goodness isn't that almost the words of korah we're going to run into that a little later here in the book of numbers but people that spoke against moses are speaking against god they said hath the lord indeed spoken only by moses now in a few moments when they meet the lord when they converse with the lord or the Lord converses with them, I should say, they're going to say it was foolishness and it was sin. Lord, help me not to get involved in that again. Help me. But at this moment, they bring a word against Moses. Has he, is he the only one in authority here? Is he the only one that God has chosen to this position? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now, if you'll turn with me to the 11th chapter, of the book of Numbers, we find out what they, what appears they are referring to. I'm going to say this is what they're referring to. In the book of Numbers, chapter 11, or verse 14, it says, I am not able, Moses says, I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee, out of the hand, uh, if... I have found favor in thy sight, and let me not see my wretchedness. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seventy men of of the elders of Israel, whom thou knowest to be elders of the people, and officers over them. Bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with me. And I will come and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, and that, that thou bear it not thyself. Well, here we have the situation. Moses, and he feels wretched about it, but Moses says, I'm just not able to take care of all this great host of people. And the Lord had prepared ahead of time 70 men that would be able to help him. Moses didn't have to go out and find them. They'd already been identified. Moses knew who they were. God had already identified them. But the problem that we face here in that 12th chapter of the book of Numbers is, they said, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses. He did not take us into consultation. He didn't take us into his uh, close by hand. He didn't sit down with us in the in the church study and talk to us about the issue and bring it up and we could talk about it and settle it. It was just done when we found out about it. Well, Moses made no complaints. Did you know that as we read through here? Moses didn't make any complaints. Number one, it tells us there in verse three, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. This man is a meek man. He is so meek. And we find that this is one of the characteristics that we're going to find with regard to a person that is serving the Lord. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, would you turn there with me? 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, again, 
The Apostle Paul was the secretary, but the words of the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, we find these words. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Now, if we have an example of two opposing themselves, we find that as marrying and Aaron. We, they're Israelites, but they're opposing themselves. They're opposing God. They're opposing what God has to say. So in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Moses is the meekest man, and he is instructing them. And in some ways, he's instructing them by being quiet and let the Lord speak to them. This is so often the answer. Well, it goes on to say, If God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Now, that's all we want Aaron and Miriam to have. The acknowledging, what is it? To give them repentance, have a change of mind about this, to the acknowledging of the truth. And the truth is not hard to find. His name is Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. What he has to say is the truth. So as we follow down through here, we find that there was a problem. We find here, going back to the book of Numbers chapter 12, Numbers chapter 12 there in verse verse 3, Moses was a very meek person, and he's not going to get involved in this fuss. He doesn't bring it up. It's none of their business about his wife. It's none of their business about uh, who was chosen among the 70. He doesn't even get involved in that. It's the Lord's business to take care of it. So he does. Now, you know, uh, what an error it is to think that our words are equal with God's. As Moses, or Aaron, excuse me, as Aaron and Miriam apparently felt that their word was just as equal with God's. And by natural birth, we think that our interpretation is correct. How many say passages of Scripture are not fair? Therefore, my interpretation is at least equal and probably of greater value than the Word of God. Though Ezekiel was caused to bring up this issue in the 18th chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18. We have those who complained about God. It's still going on. It will continue on to the very end of our age until the Lord should return. He is going to have this problem. We're going to have this problem. Ezekiel 18. In Ezekiel 18, it tells us there in verse 29. Ezekiel 18 and verse 29. The scriptures share this. Yet saith the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal, not fair. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal? That's God speaking. My ways are equal. Are not your ways unequal? And what makes it unequal? Because they're not in agreement with God. God has written it. God has spoken it. God has declared it. God has declared it through his prophets. God has declared it through his priests. God has declared it through his kings. God has declared his word. And we have opposition on every side because God is not equal. Well, in reality, the complainers are unequal. God is right. He's right in all the things. Now, one of the reasons that we find this is found in Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55 shares us some wonderful truths that 
help us through every day. Help us through every day. These are the kind of words that give us great courage. These are the kind of words that bless us. These are the kind of words that share with us when things don't seem to be going right. Let's just read Isaiah chapter 55, and we want to read there verses 8 and 9. Now, read the whole chapter, but these two verses of Scripture share so much about let's just trust the Lord. He's given us the grace to trust Him. Trust the Lord. Here in Isaiah chapter 55, there in verse 8, the Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. Now that that just brings it right out in the open, doesn't it? That just brings it right to the forefront. The Lord's ways are not our ways. Now, Aaron and Miriam may have complained about it. They may have complained about who Moses married, and they may complain that they were not involved in the a discussion about who is going to be the leaders, those 70 leaders. Maybe they wanted to be one of them. But the way is God's way. Uh, our thoughts, my thoughts, are not your thoughts, saith neither your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. For as he- the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth are his ways above our ways. He's spiritual, so often we think in a natural way. And I'm sure that that would really come down to where Aaron and Miriam are thinking at this time. It's a natural way. I'm not being included. I'm not as important. I'm not, not, not. And yet the Lord's ways are perfect in all all ways and all times. And his ways are greater, and he has the end, knows the end from the beginning. He's going to work all things with, after the counsel of his own will, and we're not involved in that. And so we'll just trust him. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways, the Lord said, higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we have this wonderful thought about God when it comes to situations like this. And it appears when it is brought to Aaron's knowledge, he's the first to say, we have been foolish and we have been sinful. And let's get this straightened up and get go on. Well, with regard to the characters of this passage of Scripture, I need to remember sometimes what it says in the book of the Psalms, Psalm 106 and verse 16 about Aaron. Here it makes it quite plain the Lord does not call, call a saint a saint without being a saint. And here in the book of, of um, Psalm 106, Psalm 106, there in verse 16, Psalm 106 and verse 16, we have this word about Aaron. It's a very interesting word. It's kind of like that publican, when he left his place there near the temple, Jesus said he went down to his house justified. Now, I'm going to take it at face value. I hope you do too. He was justified. He was justified before the cross. He was justified. All right, here in the book of of Psalms, 106 and verse 16, the scriptures say here, Now, it's talking about some problems that were in the desert, and there's ongoing issues going to be in the desert as they travel from place to place. And 
It is brought up a number of times here in the Psalms, brought up a number of times. Even Stephen commented on it. But it tells us here, and they envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron. Now notice this comment the Lord left us about Aaron. Aaron, the saint of the Lord. Now before we run off too far, we have to come back to this. Aaron was the saint of the Lord. Now Aaron had a flaw, just like you and I have. Aaron had sin. As a result of that, we're going to read about him over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 23. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 23, we read about Aaron. He had no continuing priesthood. He was going to die. He's going to be taken out into the uh, desert there. He's going to be taken alone. Moses and Eliezer are with him. Moses takes off his high priestly garments, places them on his son Eliezer, and Aaron dies there. Here in the book of Hebrews, it tells us about that, that it, it's important that this priesthood did not continue because we have another priesthood that would continue after the order of Melchizedek. And that's where we find our Savior, the Lord Jesus, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the book of, of Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 23, and they truly were many priests because... They were not suffered to continue. Now, here's the reason. By reason of death, Aaron died. Now, he's a man like you and I are. He was put into position to be the high priest. He was being put in position to be a representative to Israel in a pictorial sense. The true representative is Christ. He was made a priest, but he was a priest for a reasonably short time. Forty years, maybe. And he, then he died. But our priest ever liveth to make intercession for us. So we have that. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. And it tells us that Moses was meek. He had a great meekness. And then we find some things about Miriam. You know, it was Miriam. She's the sister of Moses. She's the sister of Aaron. And she was a young girl when Moses was put in the Nile River by his mother. The edict had went out that all the male children were to be slaughtered. They were to be killed because there was going to get to be too many and they wouldn't be able to rule over them. Well, we have Moses' mother looked upon him with respect and she took care of him. Well, the Lord moved on her. This is my man. This is my man. I'm going to take him. So she put him in the Nile River that young sister was placed there to observe what was going on. Pharaoh's daughter found Moses in that little boat, took him out of the river, and Miriam come up and said, do you need a nurse for this little boy? And she said, yes, do you have someone in mind? And she did, by the way, Mama. So Mama raised that little baby into uh, young adulthood. And uh, we find that Miriam in Exodus chapter 15. Would you turn there with me? Exodus chapter 15. In Exodus chapter 15, after the army of Pharaoh was destroyed, much like we rejoice today when we come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is our Savior and He has defeated all our enemies. He's taken care of them. He buried them, he slew them, he covered them, he paid for them, all our enemies. 
Here in the book of Exodus chapter 15, verse 20, it says, Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron. Now, we want to be careful here about this word prophetess, because it goes on to tell us exactly what she did. In this sense, everybody that sings to the glory of God is a prophetess. Everybody that has a good word about God is a prophetess. We're telling what we know about God, what we know about salvation. We're a prophetess in that sense. For she says, she took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. Exodus fifteen twenty verse 21. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Is that much different than amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me? Or there is a, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins? She's a prophetess bringing glory to God for what he has done, what he did for her, what he done for the rest of Israel, what he's done for us. So let us be a prophetess. Let us be a prophet. Let's sing glory to the Lord, just like she did. So she's called a prophetess. And then in Numbers chapter 20 and verse 1, we find something else about her. She's just related to Adam, just like the rest of us are. We may be at the edge. We may be close. Well, I know this. I'm much closer than I once was. I'm getting closer to the time when the Lord is going to close my eyes and physical life will be gone and I'll see him in that spiritual sense. I'll see him as he is. And it tells us here in the book of Numbers chapter 20 verse 1, Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation in the desert of Zin, in the first month, and the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there. So we have her life, her death, and here in the book of Numbers chapter 12, we have a time when she was foolish and a time when she was a sinner, just like Aaron confesses. Well, let's go back there to the book of Numbers chapter 12 for just a moment as we continue to look at this, this uh, allegory. We're finding here in Numbers chapter 12, beginning with verse 4, God made her realize this. Verses 4 through 8. The Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And the three came out. What an interesting statement is made here. You come out, but he brought them out. He didn't leave it to them. They are his, and he will put them where he needs to put them. He said, you come out, and they came. That is the almighty power of God. For people to say that God calls and they don't pay any attention. Now, it may appear that way for some time. But when God sends that effectual call, they will come. They cannot resist the almighty power of God. They cannot resist that God has a purpose and he is going to carry it out. Uh, so often we find that people uh, feel that they have more power than God does, that they can choose, but he won't. It's wrong for him to choose. It's wrong for him to get involved in choosing. And uh, we find it just so prevalent in, in among religion today that God, it's wrong for him to choose a people 
But they can choose the clothes they wear. They can choose the food they want to eat. They can choose the church they want to go to. They can choose whether they want to read the Bible or not. They can choose all of this, but God is not that kind. He, they are better than he is. They're more powerful than he is. They're more sovereign than he is. And we find out the scriptures tell us without fail, he is sovereign. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And he will carry out his purpose according to his eternal workings. And it will be carried out. So here we have, the Lord spake suddenly to Moses and to Aaron and to Mary. And they came to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord, now that word Lord is L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is Jehovah. Jehovah came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. Isn't that a wonderful statement? He called them, they came. That's what he does. That's his business. He was intent on them hearing this message, and they heard it. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. Now, I was reading, preparing for this message, and one of the commentators said, it appears that uh, when the Lord speaks to someone that's asleep, it's in a dream, and if they're awake, it's in a vision. Well, whatever. God spoke to people. He still speaks to us, but not as he did here. He speaks to us through his word. It's his word that has the life. It's his word that's vibrant. It's his word that's that carries meaning. It carries weight. Uh, to one that doesn't know the gospel, one that's never been born again, it, it doesn't mean anything. It, we got it all figured out in our natural state, but it is life. The Word is life. The Word is our food. The Word is our water. The Word is our power. We trust it. We trust God who gave it. Hear my words. Verse 6. Verse 7. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. Now that, that term could be so applied to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Moses is a type of Christ here. He is, the Lord is faithful in all of God's house. He was faithful to do all that God's. I've done all. Uh, I've finished all. I've performed all that was ever put into the covenant of grace. With him will I speak mouth to mouth. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Speak mouth to mouth. As a friend speaketh to a friend. And, you know, today he still speaks to us mouth to mouth. That's when we open his word. We're not trying to find uh, our purpose in here, trying to find the verse of scripture and prove it by, or have a thought and go to the Bible to try to prove it. We go to the Bible because we want to know what God has to say about it. Thus saith the Lord. And that's what he says here. I'll speak mouth to mouth. The word of God, he speaks to us. He speaks to us maybe in a loud voice or still small voice, however it is. But he's going to still speak to his people. I'll speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall shall he behold. Wherefore, then, were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? From what we have read here, at this moment at least, they had not realized. Maybe they had in the past, they let it slip, they didn't think about it. 
But this was not just a servant. This was a servant of the Lord they were speaking out against. And that was so true during the times of the Lord Jesus. We find that so many spoke out against him, not realizing who he is. He's the Son of God. Now those who knew him, the Apostle Peter made that great confession, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's no greater prayer than we can pray than what the Word of God has about God to repeat back to him. We were going through the Psalms one time. I brought out these are the words. Most of the Psalms are the words we wish we could say in prayer to God. and That's truly the Word. He says here that uh, wherefore they were not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. That was a serious thing that they had done. We're going to find others here as we follow through the book of Numbers. We're going to find others that spoke against the servant of God. Jeremiah was put in prison, but then delivered. They spoke out against the servant of God. That was the normal thing for lost people to do. And I sent my prophets unto you, and you kill them. That's what he said uh, to a group during his ministry. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam... Now, isn't that interesting? Aaron, the high priest, noticed this, this. That was part of the priest's job. If you go back to the book of Leviticus, they're the ones who identify the leprosy. And Aaron, the high priest, sees this about his sister, how it speaks in a, an allegory about the fall. And we're identified as sinners in the fall. And she was leprous and all over leprous and and what a statement it says about sin, that there's not a part of us, not a part of our universe, not a part of the entire creation of God, the side of heaven that has not been touched by the fall. She has demonstrated that she has been touched by the fall. You know, the moment that Adam ate that forbidden fruit, it could have been said about him, you're white and leprous. Every particle of your being is leprous before God. And the same is true about his wife, leprous. Well, let's go on. The high priest identified her as such. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us. Now, isn't that an interesting thing for a person to say? Well, if it's not going to be laid on us, where's it going to be laid? Laid on him, the iniquity of us all. Laid on him. Laid on it. Don't lay it on us. Well, if we have to pay for our sin, we have no hope. We'll face God in judgment. But it's laid on Him. Let it not be laid on us. Lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Now, uh, uh, we just have someone confessing their very nature. You know, it's after the Lord saves us is the time we re really can say, as this says, O wretched man that I am done foolishly, sinned against God. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh of, is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. That's, that's quite a, a vision that we have here in this verse of Scripture about uh, that scene. You know, it's just it's hard for us to imagine that, that condition, and yet this is the condition that we're in. 
And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed? What that means is if if her father had taken into hand her her uh, waywardness to begin with, this may not have happened. Correct your children. Correct your children. Let her be shut out from the camp seven days, and after that let her be received in again. Did you notice that? Let her be received in again. She's going to be without the camp. We're in our lost state, but let them be received back. Let them be received again. Uh, We just are so... uh, Grace people will be gracious. We just know that. That's part of the scriptures. It's just part of what God gives us. Grace people will be gracious. And here we find that being carried out. Grace will be gracious. Lord, grace will be gracious. Let her come back in. Let her be received again. We believe in restoration. We believe in restoration. To be restored. And then... And Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people journeyed, not until Miriam was brought in again. And afterward the people removed from Hezroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. What they say in there, she's home, let's go on, let's go on. You know, there's no record of this ever happening again between Miriam and Aaron. They were taught of God, they heard God's word, They understood that they were foolish. They understood that they had sinned. They understood forgiveness. Don't let this sin be laid at my charge. Let it be laid at someone else's charge. And we find out that that was taken care of. Miriam is healed of her leprosy. Moses never got involved in the argument. Moses never said a thing to his brother or sister. The Lord took care of that. How glorious that is. How the Lord takes care of us. In this condition. And so that final afterward the people removed from Hezroth. It's over. Let's go on. Let's go on with the rest of life. Let's go on with the rest of the day. Let's go on with this. And we'll just trust the Lord. And as we find in the very next chapter, chapter uh, uh, 13, we're going to have some spies go in and they're going to demonstrate what it is not to have any hope at all in the Lord God Almighty. Well, thank you for joining us today. And we pray that God's blessing will be upon you.